0: good morning everyone oh there we go on the air that's so prophetic um, good morning good morning it's good to be here this morning with you all um, for this wisdom seekers class um, I'm gonna start with a word of prayer if that if I may father we thank you so much for the privilege to serve you and to be in your presence and to minister to you and Father, we we commit this day to to that very thing, to, to ministering before your throne, to accomplishing all that you have for us in this hour, to glorifying you in all that we say and all that we do. And Lord, I just ask that your anointing would be upon me this morning, and that you would be the voice that comes through. Lord, I just ask for the spirit of prophecy to speak and for everything that you have ordained to be released through this house would be released in perfect accordance with your divine will and for what you're speaking from your throne today so lord we love you and we glorify you and we we truly commit our lives to you and father i just say that i'm not going unless you go with me (laughs) so Thank you so much for leading us and being with us and walking this walk with us. In Jesus' name. Oh, and one more thing. I just want to speak over this congregation and <clears throat> the spirit of healing. Lord, there's so many that are, that are struggling right now physically and I just speak the healing touch of our Lord Jesus Christ to be upon everyone and that we would walk whole and healthy before you in these days. Let not... Let not the enemy have his hold, but Father, help us to walk in freedom from, from whatever it is that, that each one of us might be struggling with. And so, let it be for your glory, let it be for our overcoming, and let it be so that we can accomplish all that you've called us to accomplish in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ah! Oh, good morning! <laughs> I just got this great delight in my heart. <laughs> Barry and Sandra Carter. Yay! I'm going to pray again. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Good morning, Sandra. It's it's so funny because I I can study and I can I can read and I can prepare and. And all that, and inevitably I stand here before you and I look at these pages and it's like foreign language to me. <laughs> but that's good, because that just means the, the Lord is going to speak. Amen? Amen. So, um, it's been quite a wild ride, actually, for me personally, and I know for a lot of you, um, these last, I'd say these last number of weeks. And one of the things, what I was going to speak on this morning was how God uses all things for good. And how um, he, he works all things together for good. And because I truly, truly believe that. And I, it's been just really crazy because <clears throat> we walk this walk of dominion and we walk this walk of warfare. We walk this walk of just absolute intimate communion with the Lord. And then you're subjected to, you know, enemy attack, and and sometimes I think without even because we've come where we've come and we've been through so much, that we we go through it almost. When you look back and 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 um, hindsight is 2020, you look back and you realize how we truly are overcoming <laughs> every single day of this walk, and so. I say that to say that um, the enemy has really been pretty harsh in in a lot of different ways. Um, And I know I'm not just speaking about myself, but I do want to say that the Lord allows these things a lot of times to give us, um, first of all, to remind us who we are, secondly, to empower us to overcome and then thirdly to refine us and so looking back over say the last six weeks i, I i've been homesick this week and that's been fun and you know I, cho- I had to choose between either having a pity party which i don't think anybody wanted to come to <laughs> but i was still making invitations <laughs> you know that feeling where it's like oh, really really and then Three days goes by, and then four days goes by, and then you're just like crazy. So doing that, or just pouring myself into the Lord and pouring myself into the Word. And, uh, and I chose the latter, even though there was a little pity in there from time to time. But God just slapped me right out of that. But I realized that, that in, you know sometimes when you're, when you're physically, when you're um, down, Or weak, or not a hundred percent—that is a great time for the Spirit of God to rise up in you. And and that's one of the things that I've noticed about this past week. Well, first I totaled my car. As soon as we got back from France, I had an accident, and I totaled my car, and that was pretty devastating. But it's just a car, and I'm fine. So hallelujah for that. But then about five days later, I came up feeling not very well, and then it just got went from bad to worse, and. And so, in the midst of this past week, as I've reflected, and my head's not been real clear, and it still isn't, so forgive me if, if that comes out, I realized that the Lord, through all that, was giving me this incredible perception. And for that, I wouldn't trade anything for. And you realize that um, in the midst of the fire is where you're refined. And so then I overlay it onto the fact of where we are as a people and the reality that, yeah, we're still in grace. Grace is, 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 is always propelling us forward into the fulfillment of what God has for us, into the fulfillment of his promise. And his grace is so, so sufficient. But as we enter into this year of wisdom, through the progression of his ways, his grace will propel us and empower us into the operation of that wisdom and and so the Lord just really began to um, to to bring this clarity of who we are as a people and in um, and, and our calling and what He has before us and I wouldn't trade that for anything because that vision will propel me and and will propel us because we are joint heirs with Christ. And so refinement in the fire, just what we know in scripture, speaks so much about wisdom. That's what tries us as gold. And so I, I say all that to say that we're going to talk about wisdom this morning, and, and really I just felt like, I mean, I've just been reviewing and reading and really trying to, um, uh, uh, to, to bring my spirit into the remembrance of what wisdom and revelation is and to partner with it in this transition. And so today, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to speak prophetically into where we're headed and into this year of, uh, of wisdom and revelation, recognizing that the, the, the heartfelt desire of our Lord is to continuously advance his, to advance us into that place of continued promotion, into that place through his grace that fulfills this eternal contract that we're in here upon the earth. And so grace doesn't go away when we transition into wisdom. Grace propels us through it. And and I'm I'm really thankful for that because it's like you want to you know it's like you want to transition and you want to go into the next year, but at the same time, I don't think any of us want to leave this year of grace. Because while it's not been always that easy, it's been an an amazing year, right? Amen. And so grace is amazing, but grace is always for a purpose. And so what I want to do is, is really just reflect on what we know about wisdom, but also speak prophetically into what I feel like God is saying about this year. And I just ask that the anointing of the Lord would be upon me to be able to do that because I am like my head's in a bubble right now. And so um, that's, not, that's not very fruitful in the natural, but the Spirit is here. Amen? Amen. So let's talk a little bit about um, the personality of God, because we know, excuse me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation is, is, is part of the progression of the seven spirits. But wisdom and revelation, they are the mindsets which drive the heart and the passion of God. So it is the mindset that, that drives his heart of passion, okay? And great, and wisdom and revelation are firmly fixed on his purpose, okay? And they are rooted in his creative and restorative virtues. Now, I, want, I just want to say that again because that so much encompasses who God is and who we are before him and what he's called us to do. Wisdom and revelation firmly fixed upon his purpose and rooted in his creative and restorative virtues. So into this year I speak... Not only purpose, but I speak the creative heart of God and the restorative heart of God would be just all that he intends for in and through us this year. Amen? Amen. He is the essence of wisdom. It is his nature, and he is the possessor of all knowledge. And so when we know his wisdom, we operate as joint heirs with him in the world. God exists through his wisdom, and he extends that wisdom to us, to mankind, in order for us to coordinate with him in the dominion of the earth. So wisdom always works towards the resolution of the evil of the raw and the establishment of righteousness throughout the world. And so, you know, we're going to look today maybe a little bit about the evil that we're living in. So I I, I look at the timing of where God has us in the cycle of his ways and in so many things that have been spoken from the pulpit and, and just the absolute awareness that every single one of us has just living in this world of the absolute evil that exists in our world and about how so often it makes no sense to us, right? It's like you just, you listen, you know, particularly in the political realm, but in many, many different realms. And you think, that just doesn't make sense. But of course, because we have the mind of Christ. So in a, in a lot of ways, that's a good thing, right? Because the wisdom of God does not make sense to man. I mean, you just read 1 Corinthians 1 through 3 and see what Paul writes about the wisdom, you know, godly v- wisdom versus man wisdom, and it doesn't make sense. But for us as God's people who have the mind of Christ, whose thoughts are, are eternal and, and, and from the throne, these things that we're seeing just don't make sense because so much of it is the wisdom of man or better said, the wisdom of the enemy and it is so hot in here. Is anybody else hot? I mean, I just feel like this heat is blowing on me. Okay, thank God. (laughs) So his wisdom is always going to work towards that resolution of evil. And so as we embrace this year, as we step into this year, just know that's where we're going. And we want to be vessels that are moving in that spirit of wisdom and that spirit of revelation to know the godly wisdom to apply, right? Amen. So the timing of this is really sobering to me because, you know, we breezed into the grace and supplication, and it's just been such an incredible year. And like I said, so often hindsight is 2020, And and so we can look back, and we should do this every year and just, you know, chronicle what God did and, and, and really ha- how his grace was applied. And We could learn from that. But going into this year of wisdom, I think that it's going to be just absolutely incredible just given where we are in the world and what we're faced with. And so wisdom is our guiding light in turning these high places of darkness into lighthouses before the Lord. And, and, and um, you know, wisdom, well, it's part of the seven spirits. It's in the transition. And just um, to review, position between grace and supplication and between prophecy, life, and supply wisdom and revelation is the step in between there where God really begins to reveal more about himself and about his plan and his purpose and so grace empowers and promotes us as we make supplication in the heart of God on behalf of a need or supply or the the father's purpose leading us into wisdom and revelation where God begins to unveil unveil his plan of purpose in order to remove the raw and to establish the tobe and then we transition into prophecy, where we submit, we surrender to his divine plan and strategy, we die to self, and we partner in speaking life supply through authority, through precision, and into the scenarios that God puts us in. Now you, think, does, you say, well, does that mean that you know, it's going to take a whole year to actually speak into this? Well, no, because the Bible says God is like the wheel within the wheel. And so within that wheel, within the wheel, his seven spirits are moving in multiple different ways, multiple different dimensions, multiple different scenarios through all of us, through our body, through the ministry. And so it's just a progression that continues to move on. This year is just one where he's going to be really accentuating his wisdom into us. And I'm so excited about that. Amen. The Bible speaks that our faith is likened to the refining of gold. And when we imply and act upon the revelation that he reveals to us, our faith is tried. And then we glean gold, which is wisdom. And this is what we gain as the overcomer. um, Because it's not always easy. I mean, the fire's not easy, right? It kind of burns a little bit. But it's... um, his wisdom is granted to us as we faithfully and obediently apply what he has revealed to us and what he has taught to us. And so that's that's really exciting to me. So revelation is the purpose of God that is preserved in heaven. And, and I think it was a couple of seminars ago. I can't remember what the, the, the theme of the seminar was, but I remember how we we literally like it's like that whole entire seminar we spent it in heaven. <laughs> and 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 emulating what was happening in heaven. And that's what we should do always, right? But wisdom and revelation are that way. We need to emulate heaven. We need to do what we see our Father in Heaven doing. And in so many ways, revelation and wisdom really um embody that as we press into that. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation is always geared toward the unveiling his plan in order that we might remove that raw influence and establish the tobe. Think about where we're headed. Think about where we live. Think about this earth. Think about what is before us. And think about, does it not just thrill your heart or, or at least quicken your heart just a bit to know Where we're where we're headed in His Spirit, that He's going to begin to to use us, to turn that raw, to be that light. It does me because um, I know He's been doing that, and I know He He will continue to do that. But this is going to be a real amazing year for the people of God, and I'm excited about that. And and additionally. Let me just speak a little bit about where we are, who we are as a people, and what he, where he has us. Um, you know, we are a network of intercession, and um, that really is comprised of churches and houses of prayer and individuals all over the world that have committed themselves to this lifestyle as a saint, and in this lifestyle in function of intercession and these very things that we've been talking about, and and oh, I don't know, maybe several years back, the Lord began to really impress upon us that, that as he began to speak about expansion, we needed to strengthen the structure for which he is building. And I've always likened it to he's building the end-time church <laughs> because I feel like the end-time church is not going to look like what man thinks it's going to look like. I think that what we are building, what he is building through this structure is very much a, a huge part of the end-time church. Would you agree? And so, in, you know, then then you start scratching your head thinking, how do we do this? Because we're really good at intercession. We're really good at praying in tongues. We're really good at singing prophetic worship. We're really good at studying and speaking the word. We're really good at so many of the things that God has called us to do and to accomplish. But when you start looking at building a structure, it's daunting, right? But what we're going to look at is, Is what really played into the building of the structures way back in the day when God told Moses I want you to build a structure and that structure is going to represent your walk through the wilderness from promise to fulfillment into the promised land it's going to represent conquest and dominion it's going to represent commune with me and it's going to represent warfare and is that not what we're building right but still, you start looking at it on paper, and you start looking at all the players, you know, on the team, and, and, okay, this is a network. This is a functioning network. We have all these different parts to it that we have to place people in, and it has to be done with godly wisdom. It has to be because it is eternal, and it is what we will flow through, Right? It's what we'll go through, you know. We will it, it, it's what we move with through the wilderness and through the promised land. And so I look at this, this building of this structure, and it is in the works right now. And 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 it has not been an easy process. And I want to give um, Elder Denise Anderson um, a little kudos right now because she's been forerunning this project. And and what it ultimately will be will be. A picture of who the of, of this network and the function within this network, and that's so necessary for us because our pillars have to be strong, right? We're the pillars. We, it has to be strong so that when expansion comes, you know, when when God says, "Okay, I want you to take a nation, I want you to take a continent," and we we look at the continent and it's a multitude of nations. We don't speak their language. They need teaching. They need this. They need that. We're, you know, we're the remnant. How do we do that? Well, it's all going to come through the structure, and that structure has got to be built through the spirit of wisdom, and so as we enter into this year where this structure will be ratified, I mean, it will be established, I believe, I speak into that, into that whole process, the spirit of wisdom, because it has to be and 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 we need that desperately right you guys with me okay I'm I I, you know this is really more of a teaching but I can tend to get a little preachy (laughs) and that's just the annoying that's not me so back to the notes so in our application for today we have to recognize that that we really are in the timing of the Lord and, and, and that, that, he has just really just driven that home with me this week. Just, you know, giving me this clear perspective of, of who we are, where we are, where we're headed, what the, the daunting responsibilities are, but about how important it is that we recognize that in his cycle of his ways, where we are, why grace will continue to propel us, he will pour his wisdom and revelation into us. And we will see this happen. And we will see it happen with creativity and with strategy and with all the things that wisdom is. Amen? Amen. So let's go back to the beginning, just kind of set the stage. And um, this is probably a a review. But I think we need to look at the influence of the enemy and how it plays into this. Because it's so much a part of, of what we see in the world. I mean, it goes back to the garden. And when you look at the garden... The garden was full of wisdom. The garden was full of the fullness of the Spirit of God, and part of that was, was, was wisdom. And so we know that the original plan for the earth was corrupted through the rebellion, and then there was a, this unknown expanse of time, and then God created man to partner with him to restore the earth, and that's what was happening in the garden. And he established this commune, this intimate daily commune with Adam and Eve, and, and, and really began to show them who he was, and it was the happening place i mean it was the apex of existence on the earth it was a place that i would never want to leave if i actually dwell there which i think we do in a lot of ways but um, it was it was really an amazing place of intimate commune and where the creative and curative expressions of god were exchanged with his with man and so true wisdom was really imparted, and the immediate directives were released by God to man there in the garden. And we know this. He communed with them. He shared his plans. He gave them clear directives, even in a fivefold way. He gave them authority and dominion over every living thing, and all they had to do was just carry forth his plan. That's all they had to do. But then came the enemy, and then came the antithesis or the opponent of biblical wisdom known as iniquity, and we see in Genesis 3, 6. And this, for reference, is the first usage of the word wise in the Bible. Okay, We're going to look at three first issuances through this study. The first one is this right here, and it's the word wise. It's the word sakal, and it literally means to be circumsect, that did not come out right. <laughs> <laughs> Circumspect. Yeah. There. To have intellect, to prosper, and to experience instantaneous success. Does that sound like the world? I think. And it says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and this is talking about the, the, one of the trees, good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. (sighs) So there's two trees in the garden. This is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and this is the one that nabbed them um, through the enemy, through the fruit. And so this really was the personification of the corruption of the ways of God. The enemy did that, Um, it was a depiction of his deception and of rebellion and he took the good purpose of God and he appropriated divine power into an attempt to serve his own agenda, his own gratification, and he, he somehow influenced Eve to want that same instant gratification and, um, and she took of it and she ate and then she gave it to, to man. And so this really was anything but wise, but it really implies individual gain and immediacy of human and spiritual gratification which took preference in her and him over their relationship with God, their commune with God, and the righteous purpose that he had put them there for. And that is the essence of iniquity, and that is the opponent of biblical wisdom. And that's what happened in the garden at the very beginning, the first issuance of the word wise. Now, this word is not the primary word for wisdom throughout the Old Testament. We're going to look at that in a minute. But um, you know, wisdom, just like any other spirit, I mean, everything with, with with in our walk with God is based on relationship, right? And so that's where he hit. That's where he hit, and um, it took him out. That instantaneous gratification, that self-serving, um, that 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 want for. Just, I want it now kind of mentality. And that's so much of the spirit that we deal with in the world still today. And so wisdom can overcome that. That is part of what, um, when we turn the raw to tobe, that is what we are addressing. And that is what we will continue to address. But then God put the second tree or the other tree in the garden. And, and I want to just touch on this for a minute because we, we got to see this tree of life as a reality for us, okay? And I, I really believe that, that, that this year it's going to become more of a reality for us, but this tree embraces the fullness of the purpose of God, and it really spans the aspects of fulfilling his ways in timing and in success for, you know, for, for what he wants to accomplish. But we have to access heaven. We have to... To recognize that this tree is is made for us to access it still exists and its function is promised to us to the Saints who overcome through our devotion to God in his ways and so Genesis 2 9 is the scripture reference and it says and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also is in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so that function that access that fruit is it was the plan for Adam for them to access that to do what he had called them to do. And that remains the privilege for us today as saints. Proverbs 3:18 3, says she meaning wisdom is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retains her. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth by understanding he has established the heavens. You know, wisdom is a bedrock of our existence, the existence upon this earth. And through the earth, it was founded through wisdom. And understanding is that timely demonstration of the fruit that we gain through that tree. So when we lay hold upon wisdom, we embrace the tree of life. And it illuminates and it guides us in our path and it's really the essential source of provision for us on this pathway of our walk with God. So we must draw from the sources of heaven. Let's look at look at Revelation 22. And it said, and I show, It showed me a pure river of water. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of the God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the Of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was a tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits, which yielded every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. So all of our spiritual resources come from heaven, and in this year of, of of wisdom and revelation, we need to draw from these resources, and we need to know that they are available for us, for the healing of the nations, for the supernatural provision that we need and our capacity as saints to be able to access and to draw these resources, it's necessary, it's needed for the healing of these nations. Now, what does this word healing mean? It's that word therapeuo, and and, um, we've studied this, we've studied all of this, but just to reflect and uh, remind you, therapeuo is one of the healing words and it, it literally means to encourage proper function. It's where the word therapy comes from. Is to instruct in course of restoration of wellness. And so that's what we are called. We're called to draw from that tree through the leaves to bring proper function, to bring restoration, to instruct in that course and to lead them into a measure of therapy that will bring a point of wholeness and function. And, you know, this <laughs> this really helps me a lot, because sometimes, you know, we'll go into a nation, and I'll just use Brazil as an example. You know, we go into Brazil, and, you know, sometimes you just kind of expect, you know, bam, whoa, saintly nation. And that is what God has ordained for them. But we have to remember that wisdom is disciplined, it's methodical in its approach, and so, We need God's wisdom to know how to bring therapy, to bring healing, to bring function or proper function into the nations of South America. It's not, you know, yeah, God can heal a nation in a moment. I don't doubt that one minute, just like he can heal any one of us in a split second. But this word, that's not what that is. This is therapy. This is bring them through the pathway into and encourage proper function. And so when I look at our responsibilities in Brazil and the expansion of that, I recognize how desperately we need this wisdom. We need the healing for the nation from the tree of life, from the leaves, to know how to go, on, go in there and, and, and be that vessel that brings that measure of therapy, that brings that measure of, of the process to lead them into function. Does that make sense? yeah so into the nations and into this year that we're we're heading into I speak that into it and I speak his spirit of wisdom into to us as his servants to carry that and and to not get frustrated because you know sometimes the process can get frustrating you know we want to see instantaneous results but what is that? That's godly. That's manly wisdom. That is not godly wisdom, even though he can do that. We have to be methodical in the midst of his wisdom. And um, yeah. So, amen. Does anybody have any comments? Yeah,
1: um, I think uh, I think this is a a prophetic word about what we're. To do. One of the things we're to implement in this new year. Because, uh, you know, this tree of life, which is really what God was coming to uh, meet with Adam and Eve in the Ruach of the day, as opposed to this other tree that the serpent said, you know, there's other wisdom. You can move wherever you want. Uh, This tree bears 12 fruits, 12 manner of fruits, and a different one every month. That's what it says. And 12 always represents government. It really represents, you know, the alignment of everybody under Adonai doing what they're supposed to do. It's why there were 12 disciples. It's why there were 12 uh, tribes. It's why there were 12 stones on the breastplate of righteousness Judgment and breastplate of, uh, <clears throat> of you know judgment in the Old Testament. So, uh, and, but then the, and the, and the fruit is is what we need. It's commune with God, and and the weird thing about it is, is that where this tree is located, it's kind of described, kind of weird, but up in in paradise, you've got that river that flows through. Um, from the throne, and ultimately it's to come to us. And then there's all these people there, people that have, are saints, people that have died and gone on to glory. You know, Paul is there, and you know, a number of others, and they, they fellowship there, but they're over the canopy of this tree, and this tree is on either side of the river, but its, it's root system just thrives off of paradise. And so it's it's just almost like, to see it, it's, it's indescribable you know, on, on earth, but it's it's almost like those kinds of trees that you see and leading up to some southern plantation where you've got a roadway and you've got these, these trees on either side that merge, it's like a, but it's massive and it just goes on for, a long, long way. So, what I'm wondering is, the fruits are for us. You know, we have the right to eat of that as saints, is what the Scripture says. And I think over this year of wisdom that's coming, we need to be st- setting aside each month to to do two things. We need to be asking God for that rich nourishment from that tree uh, each month. And we need to be asking God specifically how the um, the what's a good word the therapeutic measure of these leaves, how we're supposed to apply this into these nations, and um, but I, I just see it. It's it's such a s- systematic. If there was ever a line upon line kind of a thing, it's this tree that produces this fruit this month and then then that fruit's done and then the next fruit and then that's done. And um, that's the strengthening for us in this walk of wisdom, divinely apportioned by God. But then those leaves, and I wonder if there isn't a full changing of the leaves every month where, you know, because every harvest, you know, We know this from here on earth. There's a harvest and then that goes. And as you've eaten of the fruit, then you glean of what that tree represented to produce that fruit. And you then disseminate that as a therapeutic to the nations. So um, I'm just really smitten by this as you've read it. So I, I just wanted to, give you a chance to rest your voice and
0: <laughs> take hall. a drink mm-hmm. thank you
2: mm-hmm.
0: thank you um, okay so we bear witness with that prophetic word amen amen um, revelation twenty two fourteen. blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city so the essence of the tree of life It really comes through this strict devotion to obeying his purpose and his wisdom. And it gives us access into the gates of the cities. And so I speak that in to this people as well. Um, Everything God does comes through Commune. I just love that. I mean, he's just so good. He gives us everything that we need. Now I'm gonna breeze through some of this because I'm only on page three and I wanna get to um, the building part of, of this teaching. Uh, but I'm just gonna touch on this passage in Exodus eight because I, I don't wanna I, I certainly don't want to glorify the enemy, but I do wanna say that um, the enemy is all over wisdom. <laughs> he really is. And that's why the whole refining process in the fire is so important for us. But the root the first issuance of the root word of the most used biblical word for wisdom in the Old Testament is this word hakam. And the first time it's used is here in, the, in Exodus 1, verses 8 through 14. I'm not going to read it, but what I'm going to say about it is that Israel had fallen into this Egyptian bondage. And 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 Egypt, I mean, they, they kind of had the story on wisdom. They thought they did anyway. And I think it's probably that influence is still very much alive today because um, they used that principle to oppress the people the seed of abraham god's people here and we see in these passages and they did it for their own gain they did it for their own gain and and um and that's so much of the influence that we see happening in our government happening really all over the the world god's people were enslaved just like the enemy had done for generations and and they had to 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 gather the fruits of egyptian wealth to gather for the selfish gains of the pharaohs and of the gods of this world and um and so this being the first issuance um, i just thought it was was um, necessary to address because it was used to serve the greedy aim of um of of the kings and and so really this is pretty much what the enemy did in the garden as well but then god you know god brought rose up joseph and he pretty much overruled that with with godly wisdom and 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 we know that whole story how the lord raised him up in the midst of that kingdom and caused him to overcome and to really gain such authority in the midst of that atmosphere that was so oppressed i mean you think about the wisdom of egypt it is it's still known as like a superpower in their culture And um, you think about the pyramids, you think about the symbols of truth. There's one on our dollar bill. You think about the wisdom and the aim of mankind to become like supernatural beings. And that is so demonic. But that still is very much alive in our society. Um, They truly held this firm belief that they were becoming as wise as God. And man. Plus two, the love of money right the love of money is the root of all evil so the object of financial gain was really used in the first issuance of this this measure of wisdom and so these are things that that we face but the beautiful thing about it is that God in his faithfulness um, he delivered his people and when he did they came out of that atmosphere with this great harvest with this great harvest of monetary treasures and so God God wins he wins. But in so many ways, these are the influences that we face today and um, and godly wisdom is gonna overcome. Amen? In our government and in, in this world that we live in. And so I, I want to to, to to segue here into I mentioned the building of the structure for this network and and I begin to when I began to study about wisdom a little a little more, I recognize how the Lord used his wisdom and building two of the, the, the major symbolic um, places of worship. And so I just want to speak into this, into where we are. Um, the first one is this tabernacle of meeting, which is Moses. And this is the first issuance of the word wisdom in the Old Testament. And it's also, I want you to hear me, it is the first measure of implementation of godly wisdom in the word. Okay? So wisdom is, it, it, it's not just a principle it is an implementation right it is a process it is methodical it is it, it is timely and it is strategic and so this is the first um actual issuance of that and it's the word hakma, which comes from the word hakam, okay and it was used in in the association with the construction of the tabernacle in the wilderness so god began to establish they'd come out of egypt they'd come through the wilderness they entered into the promised land no i'm sorry that is not true they came out of egypt he took them into the wilderness and god began to establish them as a nation of promise because the wilderness was all about promise you recognize that it was about overcoming it was about the promise seal of fulfillment that's what it was about so he began to reveal himself to them in this um, process in very definitive ways. And um, so he began to give instructions to build this tent of gathering, which would be their place of worship, but would become the central point point of national life for them, okay? So its construction would be accomplished through their commune with the Lord, but also with dominion in mind, because God had dominion in mind, and he still has dominion in mind, okay? Expansion, dominion. And so the wisdom of God was really paramount throughout the creative process of him building this first sanctuary, this first tabernacle, which is known as the Tabernacle of Moses, the Tabernacle of Meeting, or the Tent of Meeting, okay? And so Exodus 31, this is so familiar, but I'm going to read it anyway beginning with verse 1, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, and from the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Now this is also the first issuance where someone was actually filled with the Spirit of God in the Bible. In wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold and silver and brass, cunning of stones, to set them in carving and timber, and to work all manner of workmanship. And I behold, I have given with him oh, the guy, the other guy. Um, and in the hearts of all them that are wise hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee the tabernacle of the con- con- congregation, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat, the furniture for the tabernacle, the table, the furniture, the pure candlestick, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all of its furnishings, the labor and the foot, the cloths of service, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office, and the anointing of oil, the sweet incense, for all holy place, according to all that I had commanded thee, they do. And then we have Exodus 35. I filled them with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding. Um, And it basically says... The same thing and so God put into them the spirit of God the spirit of wisdom to to make to fashion all of the articles that functioned in that tabernacle that represented their identity it re- represented their commune with God it represented who they were and how they would move in dominion and expansion and he he wanted these fashioned through his creative expression and that's what he did it was his wisdom his understanding and the knowledge and manner of workmanship to 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 establish to build these things and 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 you know this is more than just skill and capacity this is fashioning the articles of function um under the command of God, so it's being capable of, of grasping the vision, the precise vision from God, while imparting his anointing within the instruments that, they, that are being formed. So it's not just creating them. It's not just gaining the vision from God. It's actually being a conduit of his anointing that pours into them and into their function. You hear me? So wisdom is the creative process that is accomplished through grasping his divine directive while instilling the masterwork and forming the object that he is, his, is ordained to create and then imparting the power and the anointing of God within the vessel itself. So I look at where we are and I look at what we have been called to accomplish. I look at who we are as a people. I look at the expansion that is before us and I look at what we have to work with. And what I hear the Lord saying is I am pouring my spirit of wisdom into you to function in this creative process to build and to establish what I have put before you to build and to establish. And in the midst of that I'm going to give you my anointing and I'm going to empower it with my spirit so that it will accomplish all that it's called to accomplish. Do you hear me? So if we're looking at building a structure a network, expanding a network. We need his wisdom. And so I speak that into every single person. The creative anointing, the measure that God has for you to rise up and to be that vessel of his wisdom and, and a function for what he's building. And I you know, I sometimes words just fail me because I don't even know how to express what's on the heart of God for this. But I, I feel him I, I just I just I just feel his heart for this. We cannot do it with our own wisdom. We have tried. And we just look at those papers, and, and they all look good, and, okay, that'll work, that'll work, that'll work. And it's, it, it, you know, it, it, because our best intention is his heart and his purpose. But we need the dispensation of his wisdom. We need the dispensation of his creative, innovative touch on everything that we do. Not only that, we need the anointing behind it, that, that he promises to give to us as we commit ourselves to this. And so I, you know, several weeks ago, I think it was Pastor had us go around and, and, and sprinkle the blood on all the vessels. Remember? All the functioning vessels in the tabernacle. We also need to speak wisdom into them. And that includes every human, every one of us, and every point of of, of Um, of creative expression tangible and intangible that he wants to bring through in this year so that we can accomplish what we need to accomplish does that make sense does it so we got to grasp his vision we got to apply our hand to the formation of the idea and then we have to welcome his anointing to flow within that ongoing application of his wisdom and that's how it works and 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 you know sometimes i i look at what's before us and it just like i said i mean it's like my mind can't can't wrap myself around you know my, i don't have it in my own capacity and maybe you do <laughs> but i i need his wisdom i need every measure of his creative innovative spirit to breathe life into what he wants to do, into what he wants to accomplish, and into every one of us that he wants to use to accomplish it, amen, amen. And from there, you see in Deuteronomy four, five through eight, that God made them a great nation. And I love—I'm going to read this just because it's so good. Moses was a great leader because he inspired his people through his relationship with God in the fullness of what that was. He, was. he was known as the greatest prophet because he knew God face to face. Aren't you thankful for our leader? Seriously? Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as Yahweh my Elohim commanded me that you should do so in the land whether ye go to possess. It's all about possession. It's all about taking this earth back for him. keep therefore and do them for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations which shall hear all the statutes and say surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people for what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God in all things that we call upon him for and what nation is there so great that has statutes and command and judgment so righteous as, the, as all this law which I have set before you this day We are going to be known as a great nation, people, because we are following through the spirit of of wisdom, our Lord, and and he is guiding our path. Everything in this world was formed by his wisdom, and everything in this world ultimately belongs to him, and we're called to walk with him and to partner with him in the midst of that to restore the earth, and those leaves on that tree are available for us. It's not some distant or fanciful notion it's in some children's storybook you know it's it, it's so real for us it's a reality as we move throughout the earth and and to bring this measure of of healing and therapy restoration to bring proper function and and so but we need the wisdom and we need to apply it to our vessels we need to apply it to ourselves and um because wisdom will always guide and um and when coupled with absolute devotion to his directives, wisdom is incapable of being defeated. Because it's him. Amen. Then Joshua. Joshua was was full of he 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 preceded Moses. Moses laid a hand on him. He, had, he was full of the spirit of of wisdom. And what did he do? I mean, he kicked booty and took names. I mean, that guy, <laughs> he was. Temple, Tabernacle, he was Peretz, Peretz. Every successful occupation was directed specifically by the application of the spirit of wisdom and Revelation. And at each portion of the promised land was was conquered, the tribes would then come together in order to follow the battle plan for the world, for what God was given to them through that spirit. And so Joshua followed that divine commissioning. He partnered with that angel from Gilgal. And he gained strategies for every battle. He fought in the name of the Lord, and he was a conqueror. And that same mantle should rest upon us. But then he died, and he had no successor. And then the people found themselves really in, in they lost interest in gaining dominion. So sad. They became satisfied with their own little pieces of land, and they lacked serious commitment, really, to the command of the Lord and to, to moving forward. They really lacked, they really, um bleh. They fell into a, a, a place of self-centeredness, self-serving, which, really, which then ish, ushered in the time of the judges where they began to do what was right in their own eyes, which is what? Man's wisdom. Pretty much, right? And then there's so much history here that, that we don't have time to go through, but one last thing I want to—actually, there's so many things I still want to say, but um, then comes Solomon— and we know that story about, that whole wisdom story about Solomon. But a couple things I really want to bring to light about this. Um, first of all, Solomon became king. And at that time, okay, we had the judges, then we had Samuel, and then Samuel anointed Saul. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, Saul, and then David, and then Solomon. And somewhere in that time, the Tabernacle of Moses, or the Tent of Meeting, um, it, it, it went through the wilderness, it went into the Promised Land, it went into Gilgal, it went to Shiloh, and then somehow, and I don't know how, it ended up in, in the high place of Gibeon. Remember? Now, on the other hand, during Samuel's term, during... Um, remember he was in shiloh and the ark of the covenant which was in the tabernacle of moses which was in that that was positioned in shiloh stay with me here the ark of the covenant which actually represented the presence of god was taken by the philistines remember and they danced around with it they got hemorrhoids and all kinds of stuff and then finally david ended up bringing the ark back through his dance into Jerusalem when he was anointed king okay so the ark of the covenant this is important I want you to get this the ark of the covenant was in Jerusalem the tent the the tent of Moses was in Gibeon at the high place okay so what actually was had happened was you've got this tabernacle this tent of meeting where God met with his people where it, it, it really represented who he was to them and their identity, their commune with him, their, their battle strategy, you know, all of that, their conquest, the presence of God was separated out of that. And so the tent of meeting was on the hill in Gibeon, I'm assuming without the presence of God there because the ark was in Jerusalem. Okay, so you follow me? You follow me? I'm just laying that groundwork because that's where we're going. So then comes Solomon. Now, Solomon's first official act, what was it? Remember? He became king, and the first thing he did is he took all of his leaders and he went to Gibeon, right? And and, and now he goes to Gibeon. He goes to the tent, but the presence of God is in Jerusalem. And I know that sounds weird, (laughs) but I'm just laying it out there. So he goes to the tabernacle of the congregation in Gibeon, and he makes a thousand burnt offerings before the Lord, which is noble and notable. And so let's read 1 Kings 3, beginning with verse 4. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. That's a thousand animals, guys. That's a lot of blood okay so he goes and he makes sacrifice in Gibeon Yahweh appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God asked or said ask what I shall give thee and Solomon said thou shalt show thou have showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy according as he has walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and an uprightness of heart with thee and thou hast kept for him a great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne And it is this day, and now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king, O instead of David my father, and I am but a little child, and I know not how to go out and come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding, this is a shema heart, that means to hear and obey, to judge thy people that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this so great a people? and then verse 12 behold i have done according to thy words lo i have given thee a wise a hakam, and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee neither that shall there arise like any unto thee and solomon awoke and behold it was a dream and he came to and then what did he do he goes to jerusalem where the ark of the covenant is and he stands before the lord the presence of the lord and he offered up more burnt offerings and he offered peace offerings and he made a feast to all of his servants quite a story, huh? <laughs> that was the beginning of his reign so we you know so what what does all this mean and there's so many different ways we could go about this and and I really want to encourage you to get out pastor's uh, spirit of wisdom and revelation book and and read that again because um, he really enlightens a lot about Gibeon and what that represents but for simplicity's sake and for time's sake I'm going to touch on just a few things first of all i believe solomon went to gibeon um gibeon really represented like the the um the outward appearance of religion the ceremonial part of religion even though the ark was not there anymore and so that was still very much alive in fact the priests continued to perform all the religious ceremonies the law had prescribed to them when the tabernacle in the tabernacle in gibeon when the ark was in jerusalem Isn't that crazy? I mean, and and apparently they were quite content to continue in their religious duties when God's presence was not there. And to me, that is the greatest. That is such a travesty. Because so much to me says of that is where the world is. That is where the church is. And I'm not being critical. I'm just saying when God leaves the building, what happens? It's just a bunch of pomp and circumstance. It is just a, a, a religion. It's a religious ceremony that has no power whatsoever. And this is what has really penetrated our churches, our schools, our governments, um, where religion is connected to the tabernacle and to the outward appearance of it. But there the, the Spirit of the Lord is not there. The ark has left. And I, I it just... And so... The Lord was preparing Solomon to build the temple, right? The temple. And that was the place where the ark, the presence of God, and the tabernacle with all of its vessels, including the brazen altar, which is where he made his sacrifices, and all those those subsequent places where you approach to get into the, 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 the holy of holies, in the temple of God that he was having Solomon built, he was going to bring those back together as, a pl- as, as the place on this in this world of worship before him. And that had to happen. That needed to happen. And I have to think that that may be why it was so on David's heart to build that temple, to bring those two back together, to bring God back into the church. Right? And so... That's what God was preparing Solomon to do. So he he goes to the brazen altar on the tabernacle in the high place of Gibeon, and he makes a thousand burnt offerings. What is fire? I mean, that, that burnt offering is a whole offering where you offer the whole animal. So Solomon was saying, I give you my whole self for what you've called me to do, and I give my people, Israel, to you. Take us. Use us. I think his heart was so sincere at that juncture. I I really do. And that was, you know, you you go to the brazen altar and you make your sacrifice so that you can proceed into into the holy place so you can be in the presence of God. So it makes perfect sense that he did that. He did that. He steps into that fire, and immediately God pours wisdom into him. So much wisdom that cannot hardly be contained in this world. I mean, more wisdom than anyone else in the world. And then from there, he goes back to Jerusalem, and he goes and stands before the Lord, before the Ark of the Covenant, and and then he became king. But I do believe that so much of this was so to prepare him to bring back God back into the church, to bring God back into the temple. But even beyond that, I believe that since the tabernacle represented really conquest and expansion, Israel had forgotten this mandate for them and 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 so bringing that back together and, and, and Solomon doing what he did, they had forgotten who they were and they had forgotten that they were called to be a people of conquest and expansion and that God wanted to partner with Israel once again to lead them back into that measure of conquest and dominion. And so he brought Solomon to that place in Gibeon to to really establish that um, that prerogative within him, and he endued him with purpose. He endued him with wisdom, and then that whole temple tabernacle principle, um, going out, coming in, the breath of God being established throughout the earth, was was really reestablished. And so, like I said, I mean, there's (laughs) there's a whole lot of revelation in and pastor's book, The Spirit of Wisdom and Revelation, about Gibeon and about their history with Israel. And, and it so much speaks into why all this played into it, but I don't have time to go into it. But um, I just wanted to, to really speak into to, to the reality for us that we're called to be a voice into the church. We are called to be a voice into the church to bring awareness to the fact that God is left and that going through the motions is just not enough. And I, I so strongly believe that, and I so strongly that believe that God's going to pour his wisdom into us to be that voice with power and with anointing to where we can reunite back into our nation, back into the nations of the world, back into the churches, into the schools, the Spirit of God with his people. Amen? And it, it, just, came through, it just comes through wisdom. So God's intent for us is, is continually moving forward through his directives of wisdom. And um, let me just end with this. You know, Jesus is our eternal sacrifice. We don't have to go make those thousand sacrifices, but we do offer sacrifices of praise and we do say on that altar, but he was the lamb that was slain so that we could have a relationship with our father so that we could be in this place to be able to partner. And that revelation really only increases for us from season to season, you think about Isaiah 9-7, there will be no end to the increase of his government of, or of his peace. He, it only increases, it only goes forward. And that concept is, is repeated for us in Second Corinthians where he talks about from glory to glory, Talk, God takes us forward in an ever increasing revelation of who he is so that we can be changed from glory to glory. It never declines. It never goes back to inferior standards, especially those of the Old Testament. Once Jesus made the demands on uh, the demands of the Old Testament, the new came into prominence permanently for us. And only the real has become manifest. And he is the lamb. And we never go back to that symbolic sacrifice, those religious acts without his presence. Because once the kingdom has become manifest, there's no going back. And he opened up that revelation of our father to us through his signs and wonders so why would he return for anything inferior anything less than that he won't and so he wants to make sure that we never forget the standard that's set for us and he did that by stating the impossible for us it says most assuredly i say unto you he who believes in me the works that i will do will i do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because i go to my father We are in absolute forward motion, and that's the plan of God for us. There's no retreating. There's no settling. There's no excuses, but we will go forward. And I'm reminded of of a story about this great military leader who led the armies from victory to victory, and that was Alexander the Great. And his desire for even greater conquests finally brought him to the foot of the Himalayas and he wanted to go beyond the foot of the Himalayas, beyond those intimidating mountains, but no one knew what was on the other side. (laughs) And so his officers were troubled because they didn't have vision, they didn't know. And they'd gone to the edge of their map and there was no map for the new territory that Alexander wanted to possess. And so the officers had to make a decision. Would they be willing to follow their leader off the map Or would they be content to live within the boundaries (laughs) what they do they chose to follow him and so we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit we follow the wisdom of God and while it might present to us a similar dilemma he's never going to contradict his word he's very comfortable contradicting our understanding of it our own wisdom but we have to recognize that if we feel safe within our own intellectual grasp of his word or of wisdom it is a false sense of security because no one has that full grasp but he's always going to lead us in truth and we will always follow him and we will follow him off him off the map when it doesn't make sense to us when well we don't know how to go beyond what we know and to do successfully we got to be in his presence and 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 we've gotta know him. And so I end with that. Um, I'm sorry, I went over. Father, thank you so much. I, I should ask if you guys have any comments.
2: Sorry. Yes, ma'am. Pastor had spoken about earlier about the, uh, the tree and the, the 12 fruits. And I have been thinking about uh, that passage of scripture in Luke about how Jesus commissioned the 70. And I just keep reading it and thinking about it. And of course, at the end of his instructions, towards the end, he talks about how he's sending them out to heal the sick. And it uses that same word, uh, Uh therapeutic. And of course, uh, you gave the definition to encourage proper function, yes. It also means to serve in a menial way. And so I thought, hmm, I wonder if that is one of the fruits for one of the months, I don't know. Amen. This is for the nations, which you were speaking yeah. about. But I was thinking this would, in, in Luke, it's talking about how they're going out and ministering to people, uh-huh. individuals. Could be one person or it could be a group of people. So sick doesn't mean that they have to be in bed. It could be any number of things if you're going to, uh, there are therapy in a new
0: way. So I'm like, mm-hmm. wonder if there's significance there. Amen. Anybody else? Okay, Lord, bless us bless us and Lord help us to bless you <laughs> throughout this day and and I just I bless his people and I just speak over this day that that you would have your way in us and that we would glorify you in all that we do, all that we say. in our ministry
2: before you, so thank you and goodbye.